Tech Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, Tom Bastak and Mike Jacobs. Hello and welcome in. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. We're the game show guys and your hosts. I'm Tom Bastet. And I am Mike Jacobs. Another fantastic week behind us, Tom. How are you doing today? Doing extremely well. Actually, very excited. You know, I, and I don't know if most people know this, but we normally do a Saturday morning recording is when we normally record the, the show. And I woke up this morning very ready to go. I was like, man, I'm, I'm excited to get this show going. And then started doing my research for Name That Tune, which is our featured show this week, and I was considerably less excited. Well, okay, so I went the other way around. First of all, I, I've started this new thing where I wake up at 6.30 every day now, regardless of work day or not. Um, sure, sure. And so on Saturdays... Uh, that's become the time that I like write our, our cue sheet um, in that 6.30 a.m. time slot till whenever we need as we actually get together to start recording. Um, right. And, man, it is such a great start to the day no matter what game show it is we're doing. Um, just watching game shows in the morning as you like slowly wake up and have a cup of coffee. And it's just it's a very enjoyable experience every Saturday. Uh, that being said, I went into name that tune being very excited because I'm a huge mu- music nerd. And like the idea of name that tune is a family game for, between me and my brother and my dad for as long as I can remember, you know, scan through the radio, first person to name it, that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. Um, and yeah, boy, the longer I went into this, the more it was just like, nope, this is, it doesn't scratch the itch that I want for being a music nerd. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm not a music nerd and I was a radio disc jockey for 12 years. So everybody automatically assumes I am a music nerd. And I think that that kind of thing has soured me a little bit, I want to say, because everybody's like, oh, Tom, Tommy, hey, you were a DJ. Who sings this? How the hell should I know? I mean, <laughs> even when I was a DJ, I read it off a computer screen. I sure. I was not there for the music. I was there for the performance of the DJ between the music. Now, did I like the music? I was Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got to tell you, even when I was on a country station and I'm not a big country music fan, I liked all that music and it was great. But I'm not the guy going the third guitarist for Journey was right well i don't know any guitarists from journey uh but uh to your point that is sort of me right like i'm not necessarily into every single band member of every single band but i do like that sort of deep dive and you know knowing who does what and like like specifically one thing that i enjoy very much is knowing who does one hit wonders um yeah for some reason that's a thing that like it's a great party trick um and I don't know, there's just some association that my brain can make with the artist and the title of the song that it just goes together. Um, but that is one thing about this show that I, I thought was interesting is even in the you know later versions where we get more poppy with the music choices, it's not about the artist. It's about the name of the song, which right. is only half the equation if you're asking me. But again, to your point, maybe it's just it's not as accessible to be like, oh, you got to na- know who also does this one hit wonder because yeah. apparently I mean, people I mean, aren't as into that as i am 
Jenny and I have a lot of fun listening to like an 80s mix and sh- you know we don't compete like who can name it faster we just kind of go back and forth like we'll play the song and Jen will be like oh it's you know flock of seagulls you know blah 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 mm-hmm. um and then if we get to one that she doesn't know I'll be like oh, I think it's blankety blank blankety blank but it's those one hit wonders that are the most fun yes absolutely well and so the way we did it in our family has historically been fastest um and mm. I, I say it was mostly me my dad and my brother my sister would play along and my sister was very into music too but it for some reason just was not along the same through line that the males in my family took um (laughs) and my mom's just like she's just couldn't i mean she likes what she likes and she doesn't like what she doesn't like but she doesn't really know anything about who does what uh she thought um don't worry be happy was by bob marley so um okay yeah um well i mean bobby mcferrin yeah i mean mean, it's not terribly off but i think it's just to the point that like oh it's reggae it's bobby or i mean it's bob marley so yeah anyways uh as the years have gone on and if we as we have become more aged, the idea of fastest has has sort of left a little bit um, with my mm-hmm. brother's kids. We still do fastest. Um, and I will tell you this, his uh, daughter, his youngest daughter um, will beat any of us at uh, name that Beatles tune. Um, she is just Im- like immediately two notes into any song and she knows what it is. It's wild. Um and my dad is the biggest Beatles fan in the world. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so what we do now, and this this is a, a testament to how like in depth this game is in our family. We will pre build playlists, and then everybody who uh, has not built the playlist has a piece of paper, and they write it down. So it's not mm-hmm. a speed thing; it's an accuracy thing, and you have to get wow. the name and the artist. And it's uh, uh, we have a whole point system where it's like you get one point for each, and then you get an extra point if the other person didn't get it, or something like that. I don't remember exactly how it works, but <laughs> we uh, it's it is an, uh, name that tune is a very big deal in our family. Uh, but the I, the quote unquote name that tune is very different from what we play. So. There you go. Yeah. It, well, it's interesting. And, you know, I wouldn't expect you to do any less than that, Mike, because you are a big game guy. As a matter of fact, you're probably the biggest game guy I know. Um, maybe uh, Andy's really close, but our friend, we have a friend named Andy Van Deventer who's mm. a very big game guy. I actually went to school for gaming. Like, I oh, mean, I didn't like, realize that. That's cool. Yeah, I think I think game theory was like part of his, his college education. But um, he is a huge game guy. But... Uh, you, I would expect you to definitely, as the gamer, you know, the gaming guy, to play a lot of game with this. And I feel like there's not a lot of game to this, but I guess we'll talk about that more in gameplay. Yeah. Uh, well, to your point, uh, yes, game game stuff runs in my family. Uh, <clears throat> but um, the the gameplay section of this is going to be really short. But it right. there's there's still plenty of gameplay. It's just very one note. But um. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get there, I know we have news that we have to hit, but I wanted to bring up a little piece of news that I saw this week that reminded me of uh, an episode we had a couple of back, uh, a couple of weeks back, mm. where we talked about your cousin who lopped off a piece of a finger working oh. at a uh, at a store. What was I think? Yeah, I think, was it, I think we found out it was Applebee's or a Fridays, maybe something yeah, like Fridays. Yeah, something like one of those chain stores. Um, and uh, like flingers or, or something. <laughs> Chachkis. <laughs> yeah, Chachkis, you know. Uh, but it lopped off a finger. It ended up on somebody's burger, someone's sandwich. And we just thought that that was like amazingly uh, 
unique and different. And I did too until I saw an article this week. And the uh, article is this um, from Newsweek, by the way, a reputable source. Um, woman finds human finger after biting into fast food burger. Yeah. Now, this was in Bolivia, and they do, uh, did say that it was an unfortunate incident. But, I okay, so this is obviously not as, as uh, unique as we thought because it's not the first time that this has happened recently. Like, apparently, and, and by the way, your cousin not mentioned in this article, but right. in 2012, a Michigan teen found a severed finger inside an Arby's sandwich. And apparently they just kept, like, Arby's just kept moving right along. Like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Here's the next roast beef sandwich. But Well, that's um, the thing. This article has so many examples of this happening. And if yeah. you Google search it, there's so many more. And like I said, when you know, you'd think Indiana finger in food would narrow the search down. But no, it's it <laughs> apparently just happens all the time. And <laughs> there's a line in this Newsweek article. Uh, what is it? Unfortunately, the gruesome discovery wasn't made until after she'd taken her first bite. That mm. is in every single one of these stories. <laughs> I don't want to go out to eat anymore. <laughs> I'm going to oh get a finger gosh. in my food. <laughs> oh, that's so great. It's It's so terrible. But it's so great. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, enough of the uh, the finger news. Let's move on to regular news with our good friend, Mr. Christian Carey. Yes, good clean news, please. Light up your cigarette, crack open a beer, put the kiddos to bed. From chaos around the world to carnage in your very own front yard, it's time for the news. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Mike. This is the news brought to you by buzzerblog.com. You know, my favorite stand-up comedian of all time passed away recently norm mcdonald um mm. love this guy one of my yeah not not just one of my favorites i would say and i've been talking about it with my wife lately because she loves comedy as well definitely number one in my top three um just love the guy i love everything he's done and uh you know i thought i would mention the one game show connection i'm aware of when it comes to norm mcdonald so back in 2008 uh, TBS was getting ready to program some late night television. They eventually went with uh, George Lopez's talk show, which I think was called Lopez Tonight. But right, they had some other options. One of the options being a revival of Match Game, and so they taped two pilot episodes of Match Game on the original stage where they did the '70s version with a replica of the original '70s set, and they used, you know current celebrities so you had sarah silverman super dave osborne uh you had uh niecy nash from reno 911 and then in the richard dawson seat you had norm mcdonald which i thought would have been an incredible casting choice it would and it would have been really cool to see match game you know like a late night version um they eventually again went with another option but uh would have been cool to see him in that role i thought he fit it really really nicely the episodes are on youtube um i think they were uploaded uh very recently sort of in the wake of his passing but yeah that's the one norm mcdonald game show connection that i have that i thought would have played out really really cool well and of course let's not forget his work on the Celebrity Jeopardy skits in oh, yeah. SNL. Oh, of course. Oh, Some God, of the most he... memorable skits of all time. In my oh, opinion. my God. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Correct. I, I, you, you might have to research this, but if I'm not mistaken, he originated the idea of the Celebrity Jeopardy sketch. That was like a Norm MacDonald pitch. Oh, wow. That's awesome. 
Well, I, yeah, I don't know for sure, but God bless him. Uh, we will, we will for always miss that from now on. Well, and then you've got a a more uh, tenuous link because he's playing Burt Reynolds, who was, of course, famously the creator of Win, Lose, or Draw. So there you go. Oh, this is true. Boom. boom. Yeah. Yeah. Burt and Burt. Yep. Uh, one other thing. This has nothing to do with Norm, but I just wanted to go off on this weird little tangent for a second because I love this little fact. You mentioned Super Dave Osborne. Uh, his real name is Bob Einstein. Uh, you may also remember him as Marty Funkhauser on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. But his brother has changed his last name and is now known by the, the name Albert Brooks, of course, famous comedian. But that mm -hmm. does indeed mean that Albert Brooks's birth name is Albert Einstein. Wow. I did not know that. That is incredible. That, yep. You know, Mike, I think you and I have discussed that factoid before, and it still blows me away every time I hear it. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, <laughs> uh, back to Norm. Uh, yes, I absolutely agree that he is. I, I don't know that I would put him at number one, but he has long been in my top list of comedians. And I think part of what really endures me to him is the fact that he's not, um, you know, he's not like a household name, right? Or he is, but he's not like, I don't know, He's he's a, he's a little... Uh, off the beaten path, right? And very and much sometimes so. does not get the appreciation that he deserves. And I think that's something that maybe endures me to him more than your typical comedian. Yeah, there's a certain class of comedian that you know belongs in, like he would say, the smoky nightclubs, as opposed to you know sitcoms and commercials and stuff. Which right. you know he did all those things, but that was never his strength. His strength is just in in pure joke telling and uh, and writing and yeah i agree with you 100 percent. he's like a what they call the comedian's comedian yes i was just about to use that phrase absolutely all right christian what else do you have for us this week well you know tom bergeron the former host of dancing with the stars america's funniest home videos hollywood squares tweeted a few weeks ago that he was going to be announcing his new hosting gig and the only hint he gave was that the show was reminiscent of a show he had hosted in the past and so a lot of people thought, oh, maybe it's a new Hollywood Squares and maybe it's a new Tic-Tac-Doe. Turns out the second group of people were right. It is a brand new Tic-Tac-Doe that NBC announced uh, this week, uh, hosted by Tom Bergeron, again, former Hollywood Squares host, really good host in his own right, almost took over for Bob Barker on The Price is Right uh, back in 2007 when he retired. Um, and they were actually going to move The Price is Right to New York City to accommodate him, and he didn't want to do that. So they went with Drew Carey. Anyway, that's a whole separate story. New Tic-Tac-Doe coming soon, produced by Harry Friedman, who just retired last year as the executive producer of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. He's the guy that Mike Richards took over for. Uh, so a lot of game show fans are really excited about this. You have a solid pure game show host and a really talented game show producer who has a history of producing really good television. Um, a lot of people really excited for this. I'm one of them. Tic-Tac-Doe is, is an awesome game. Uh, can we, real quick, how old is Tom Bergeron, roughly? Oh, he has to be in his early 60s or so. Late 50s, early 60s. Okay. I guess that's still younger than I was thinking. I guess just because I, I, I don't know. he His name, to me, lumps in with like all the classic game show host as well it should don't get me wrong but it just makes me feel like i don't know uh, not that i'm surprised he's still alive but i'm surprised he would still be hosting but i guess if he's in his late 50s early 60s that definitely makes sense but i was thinking like 70s or 80s 
Now he's he's sixty six. I just okay. googled it, and there he was go. pushed out of Dancing with the Stars in two thousand nineteen. So technically, only two years from relevancy. I I definitely see him as still like having some life left in him. Absolutely, I'm surprised they let him go from Dancing with the Stars. To be honest, well, I mean, so again, I mean, sixty six, and you said that was two years ago, so he would have been sixty four. I mean, that it to me is still kind of pushing the limits of. Game sure. show host age for a show that is supposed to be young, hip, and lively, right? For Tic Tac Toe, right. it absolutely makes sense. For the more traditional game show style, it makes sense. But I could, I could definitely see like being on a committee or whatever, and someone being like, "Hey, we probably shouldn't have Tom Bergeron on this show." And I'd be like, "Yeah, maybe you're right." <laughs> but again, like I, like I, just, like I just said that he is younger than I would have if I would have had to make a guess. That's you know, a good 15 years younger than I would have said. So obviously I'm not really up on my uh, age limits or whatever. I mean, tic-tac-toe was never really popular with the kids anyway. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, this is not meant to be a young, hip show so far. I mean, who knows what they're going to do with the reboot, but uh, yeah. historically. And we know now. We now know Mike will not be at the carnival uh, guessing people's ages and weights. Oh, uh, no, I am awful at that <laughs> so bad not even a clue on any of that all right uh christian anything else or is it time for this week in game show history well you know what it is time for this week in game show history and this week in game show history we are going back to september 30th 1957 and the premiere of a show that lasted a couple years the host of the show lasted a lot longer the name of the host is Johnny Carson. The name of the show is Who Do You Trust? So the original title of the show was Do You Trust Your Wife? Now, this is the way the show worked. First of all, it was set up similar to a show like You Bet Your Life, where the game kind of took a backseat to the exchanges between Johnny and the contestants. The contestants were always married couples. Uh, and so the game worked like this. The couple got three questions. Now, the, the husband was asked the question, and for each one, he could decide whether he wanted to answer it or whether he would trust his wife to answer it correctly. And so three couples played on the show. Whoever answered the most questions correctly came back the next day to face another couple of, of, of married couples. But again, the game was very much not the point. The point was this young comedian named Johnny Carson ad-libbing and interplaying with all these couples and getting all the funny lines and making them funny and just the, you know, the entertainment value of that. In 1962, NBC sort of wooed him away from this show and gave him a show called The Tonight Show, where he stayed for a little while. And uh, he was replaced on Who Do You Trust by a guy named Woody Woodbury, who lasted, you know, another year or two. Um, but this is the show that first really catapulted Johnny Carson to national fame. Uh, and uh, once he got The Tonight Show, you know, turned that into his empire, lasted there for 30 years. Um, but, yeah, it all started with Who Do You Trust this week in game show history. So quick question about maybe I'm overthinking this since you said it's just like a you bet your life kind of thing and the game's not that important. But I do have a question about the rules if perhaps you know. So you're saying the idea is like they ask me a question and then I can either answer that question or I can trust my wife to answer it correctly. Is the idea there that if I don't know it, I pass to my wife? Or is there a benefit to me passing to my wife? In other words, if I know the answer, but I also think she knows it, is there any reason why I would say I'll let her answer instead of me answering? I think the only benefit would be if you absolutely don't know it, 
you have maybe okay. some sort of hope that your wife would know it. I mean, make no mistake, the idea of the show definitely plays on a very sexist trope from the fifties, where you know that's your wife why doesn't I wanted know to clarify the, the rules does. here. Right? Because is the idea that like, oh, the man doesn't know, therefore we have to default to asking the wife, which kind of seems like the idea. And so, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's exactly it. And actually, that's why later, you know, the original title was "Do You Trust Your Wife?" They changed it to "Who Do You Trust?" so that they could expand their scope beyond just married couples. It was friends. It was celebrities. It was you know, mm. any team of two. And so, you know, they put the one person who thought they knew the most in charge and you could pass, you know. Yeah. I mean, they could have made it they could have made it more sexist by saying if you pass it to your wife, it's worth twice the amount of no, money because so we really that's... don't think she's going <laughs> to. No, 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 no. I disagree. I think that's how you fix it, because that way you do the who do you trust. That way it's not married couples. You can put people in either order. But then right. there is the strategy of I know it and I think she knows it. So I'm going to pass, therefore eliminating the fact that we have two chances at this, saying we're only going to take one chance for double the money. I think that's how you fix it, honestly. But no. uh, either. Either way, I mean, it's I, I do get your point that you're saying, oh, well, it's twice as unlikely that she's going to get it, so we got to no, make it yeah. worth more. So I guess it's all in the presentation. Well, and I think that's the thing is we're dealing with a, a kind of rocky premise to begin with, so maybe it's, you know, it needs some work. <laughs> it sounds like a premise that um, our good friend from the Gong Show might produce. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking when you first started this. I was like, this sounds like a Chuck Barris threes a crowd kind of thing. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It sounds like fun. he would do an awesome job with that. I should also mention one more thing. You know, Johnny's announcer on Who Do You Trust? took a great liking to him uh and actually johnny carson even instructed the wardrobe department to start coordinating their suits together the announcer's name was ed mcmahon man yeah oh, I, right. I think i knew that yeah that's great that's really great ed mcmahon oh well fantastic that's a another incredible uh, this week in game show history i love it all right uh christian it is time we now we we, we got you last week and and let me tell you um Randy's exact words to you, and I want to make sure you know them, <laughs> were he yelled at the at the screen that he was listening to the podcast on, and he yelled, suck it, at the top of his lungs. <laughs> he is very excited. <laughs> and, and, I, and I typed back to him, because when he wrote that to us, I typed back in the Facebook feed. I said, do you think the suck it was really necessary? <laughs> Whatever, and, and whatever he, floats Randy's boat. Yeah, and, and I was like, I was like, wow, man, this guy was very, very passionate about. It. And so, I guess out of all the people that you you could have let win, I'm glad you let Randy win. <laughs> well, and I just love that there's that amount of fervor about trying to stump you, Christian. Like, it's, it's great. yeah, it really makes me feel great. I gotta tell you, <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to tell you, like, I really wanted to stump you. And when Randy stumped you and then yelled, suck it, I found myself defending you and not defending him. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't tell my, my guy to suck it, man. What are you doing? Yeah, right? <laughs> Only we can tell Christian to suck it. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. We've earned that right. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike, do you have a good one for this week? or what? Uh, I do. So just real quick, though, apparently we've used the term swag bag, I believe, for stumping Christian. I think that was a little uh, judicious, maybe. Okay. Uh, but we do. Uh, the pens arrived last night, and they look wonderful. So, uh, Randy, I'll be shipping yours out today. It should be uh, arriving at your door very shortly. Yeah. Um, and I don't uh, think we have a bag full of swag. I mean, I can definitely put together some old car parts or something and throw them in. Yeah, I was going to say, if you want a bunch of old cassette tapes, I got plenty. <laughs> okay, so this week we are talking at Name That Tune, and I found out that Name That Tune is actually the second iteration of this show. Yes, the show that... 
began way back in the 50s on the radio is actually the second iteration. And Name That Tune had a different name before it was called Stump name- Shazam. <laughs> yes, exactly. Beat Shazam. Uh, name That Tune had another name before it was Name That Tune. Do you know what the original name of the show was? The original name. So we're talking like before the 70s. We're talking like, like was this like the radio version? This was before the radio version that was called Name That Tune. There was a, another show prior to that created by Mark Goodson and Harry Statler or Sat Sat Salt, Salter. It's S-A-L-T-E-R, I believe. No, Statler, S-T. It's spelled twice differently in my notes. I don't know. Statler, I believe. Uh, anyways, he's the also the orchestra conductor who took this show and renamed it to Name That Tune and created Name That Tune. Okay, so we're talking like a previous series. So, um, right, there was a show before Name That Tune where the orchestra would play a song and they'd play it up to a certain point, and then whoever was hosting would yell, stop the music, and they'd stop the music, and then they would call somebody at home and ask them to guess the song based on what they had heard up to that point. And I'm almost positive that's the name of the show, Stop the Music. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, I think um, Burt Parks, that used to do like the Miss America pageant, I think he hosted it for a while. Ah, um, I didn't even get that much. <laughs> yeah, I, wow. I'm, I'm, if I'm thinking of the same thing, yeah. And that show actually lasted for a while. Um, and then, right, they moved on to, you know, to name that tune. But, yeah, stop the music. Yep. Wow. That, that nice is absolutely work, Christy. correct. And I love that it is just, like, they just call a random number, basically. I mean, I, I don't think it's literally a random number, but uh, that's what it seems to be. Sometimes I guess they also went to the, the studio audience. But the idea here is that it's not contestants. It's just like, here's a show, and then someone else has to name it. Or a song, rather, not a show. A simple anyway. time for television. Yeah, it's sort of a gamble to just call the number and hope that they were listening to your show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's a real good point. And, um, I'm on the bus to work. <laughs> I'm not near my TV. <laughs> uh, Christian, how, how are people in the 50s getting a call on the bus to work? Well, no, what I'm saying is if they were to do that now, you know, you just oh, also oh, they oh, would be oh, out oh, in the world doing I, their thing. I thought you were saying back then that would be on the show. I was like, uh... Dude, if that if that happened nowadays, nobody would answer their phone. They'd think it was potential spam, and oh, they, just nobody would pick up. Not yeah, they'd put it to voicemail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be the name of the show, Scam Likely. <laughs> Oh, I totally love it. Well, way to redeem yourself from last week, my brother. Yeah. I Listen, I can finally get a good night's sleep. Thank you. And thank well, you to Randy no, for providing me okay. the inspiration. <laughs> Speaking of Name That Tune, it is our featured show this week. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Name That Tune is one of those shows that, you know, hasn't really aged well. Um, notwithstanding the current one, which I think is is horrible. But when you talk about the versions from the 70s and 80s that, you know, Tom Kennedy and Jim Lang hosted, first of all, you can't rerun a lot of those shows anywhere because of the music rights. You can't air the reruns because you'd have to pay all the original artists. And, you know, nobody ever figured that into royalty agreements for these songs. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, it's been a long time since there's been a version of Name That Tune um, that hasn't been on the air without having to guess, like, one of the songs from South Pacific or something. You know, it just hasn't it, – it, it doesn't have a lot of potential, in my mind, to age, like, for a contemporary audience. But, you know, if you're talking about the 70s and 80s versions, very well-produced shows. I mean, they definitely have that game show glitz and that 70s sort of – 
70s 80s air about them um i've just never been a huge fan of name that tune but i mean good for the people who like it i guess i mean it's been on for years and years and years going back to you know the 50s where they used to back originally when you knew the name of the song you would have to run up to a bell and pull the rope and hit the bell and name the song um but yeah i saw that that was that was really awkward because like they both knew it at the same time and they basically just collide into each other and as we've talked with uh before about my mario party parties uh, i have learned that games like that where it's like get to a thing as fast as you can and everybody go at once it does not end well someone's gonna get hurt absolutely right. absolutely right. my favorite game they played on the 70s version was called money trees so you had two people each of them had a spinning tree with dollar bills hanging from it <laughs> and so the orchestra would play a song while you're trying to guess the song the other player is pulling dollar bills off your tree so as soon as you guess the song they have to stop pulling money off your tree ah. and whoever has the most money at the end wins the game that, that was my favorite thing that they played they actually at one point had to uh replace the trees because the little clips that were holding the dollar bills were slicing the contestants' fingers as they were pulling the dollar bills off. <laughs> Good lord. So they eventually had to stop playing that game and replace it with something else. Seems like they could have just used, like, clothespins or something. And anything. Right? They could have used literally anything else that wouldn't cut their fingers. Holy cow. <laughs> All right, another another tidbit of knowledge that I feel much better knowing. Uh, Christian, how about a plug for BuzzerBlog? Of course, BuzzerBlog.com, the number one game show website in the world, whether you're looking for information on new series, returning series, casting, or you just feel like telling me to suck it, buzzerblog.com <laughs> is the place to go. That's buzzerblog.com. I just want to say that you can always tell Christian to suck it via our social as well. You don't have to go to buzzerblog for that. <laughs> That's right. Use the, use the hashtag uh, Christian suck it. <laughs> there's, there's many, many outlets for that. Yeah. Oh, God bless. Christian, thanks so much, man. We'll see you next hey, week. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks. All right, so we didn't get another stump. I was hoping for back-to-back stumps this week, man. Yeah, well, and I, I was feeling good about it because it was a radio show, and we're talking back before, you know, it's basically mm-hmm. game show prehistory, but I should have known better that, of course, Christian's going to know the prehistory, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he knows he knows it all, I'm starting to figure out. so. But uh, I did want to say, um, I really I really do defend him now. It's It's very, very funny when mm. people are like, like they think that we're all against Christian, but like I, as much as I'm against him, I'm I'm really for him. Well, and I think that's kind of the thing, right? Is like we 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 legitimately have earned that right to sort of give him crap, but he has absolutely earned the uh, us defending him because yeah, uh, the respect. Yeah. I mean, we are as we have said time and time again, not experts, but to say he's an expert, I think, is understating it. Like I think he's more of an expert than even he realizes. Oh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I'd put him. I'd put him on the stand in front of Congress. Uh, yes, that's wow. Not that's that a, that would. I mean, but you know what I'm saying. No, I mean yes. I, I, that's a strong statement, and I I absolutely agree with it. All right, all right. Uh, any other thoughts before we uh, take a quick break and come back for gameplay here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The last thing I got to say before we really dive into it is that I went into this watching the '70s version. I was like, God, this is sure. so hard. And then I watched some of the episodes from the '50s. Like, man. I don't. I guess it's it's just because I'm not part of that time. But this show is hard. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was never a big name that name that tune guy ever. Like you know, so I mean, like I could name it in three notes or whatever. I was never that guy. So it would. Um, although I will say on some of the classics, I could. There's there's certain songs like every now like, and then you know, there were a couple that I knew. 
So yeah. it wasn't nothing, but uh, I yeah, I'd be stinking it up if I were on one of these specific episodes today. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll handle the gameplay of our featured episode, our featured show for this episode, which is Name That Tune. It's coming up next. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. tunes could you name in 30 seconds tonight two contestants will see how many they can name in their attempt to qualify for one hundred thousand dollars on name that tune there it is the theme song to the our featured show for this week it's name that tune this is america's favorite game show podcast tell them what they've won mike it's time for the gameplay here it is time for the gameplay it makes me wonder like surely they haven't but It'd be cool if they ever did an episode where the tune was the name that tune theme song. Oh, <laughs> be, be pretty meta. meta. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think they were thinking meta back in the fifties. Anyways, no. <laughs> uh, so like I said earlier, gameplay is gonna be kind of short here. Um, the elevator pitch is that you got two contestants competing head to head in a series of challenges, uh, and the goal is to identify songs as quickly as possible. Uh, of course, that changes through various iterations of the show, and the rules vary from time to time. Um, the basic gameplay I, I built off of the '70s version because it felt like the most uh, varied, but also the most like sort of core concept of what the game is. Right. So the first round is what they refer to as a melody roulette. Uh, they spin a wheel and they get a dollar amount. Um, and it's, you know, kind of Wheel of Fortune-esque in that way. The host is spinning the wheel. Uh, they later add a secondary wheel to it that could potentially double the dollar amount. It's like a 50-50 wheel, right? Um, oh, so yeah. uh, up to, I think, $1,000 per tune if you get the 500 and it's doubled. Um, and then a live band, which is, you know, worth noting, uh, starts playing a and uh, the contestants will have to buzz in and guess what the tune is. And they just have to name the name of the song. The artist is not relevant. They will say it, I guess, sometimes. But um, the the correct answer is just the name of the song. Uh, guessing the tune gets uh, whatever amount that you know was spun on the wheel. And the game continues thusly. I think they typically will do, uh, it seems to be five rounds. So... Uh, it's either who is doing the best at the end of the five rounds or the first to get, I guess, three correct, right? Because then the other person can't come back, something like right, that. Right, right, right. Uh, again, it, it changes from, from version to version depending on how it's being played. Uh, but then we go to the second round, which is one of like a several different uh, mini games, I guess, if you will. Okay. Um, and so, oh man, my computer's freaking out. So hang Uh, so some of these games, uh, build a tune is one that, uh, and actually this one didn't last very long, but uh, the orchestra starts playing a tune with like just one instrument, and then they keep adding more and more till it's like a full fledged song. So you got to figure it out before it gets to the full song. Uh, you have the money tree, which is the one Christian was talking about, where they pluck. Uh, dollars off of the tree right. until they get, until know, their first... fingers bleed. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> 
Um, the uh, Sing a Tune, both contestants were guessed a song uh, based on it being sung. Um, the original version of the person who was singing the song was Kathy Lee Gifford. At that time, Kathy Lee Johnson. Um, okay. But yeah. So anyways, the idea is just that it's, again, still the same game, right? It's you hear a song and you have to guess it as fast as possible. So they're right. even with this second round like little variation games they're not really changing the game they're just changing how the outcome is measured or you know it's it's basically still the same idea um and then you get to the third round the final round and this is what everybody i think probably knows uh when it comes to the official named name that tune game which is the bid a note uh and they get uh the contestants are given a clue as to what the song is going to be, and then they bid back and forth of how many notes it's going to take them to identify it. So the first person says, oh, I can name that tune in seven notes. Oh, I can name that tune in six notes, back and forth until someone says, name that tune. There you go, the titular line of the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you are given that many notes and you have to identify the song within that many notes. Now, I will say... Uh, the clues are, I, I don't know how widely it varies, um, but uh, the one episode I watched from the 50s, uh, or uh, it might have been the 70s one, I don't know. There was one that I watched where I knew it right off the clue, and uh, apparently so did the contestant, because he started the bidding at one note, and you obviously wow. can't, you can't go zero, even though he probably could have, you know, uh, so he immediately just says, I'm going to name it right away, and the other contestant is just, just shut out at that point. Um, so there is a bit of strategy in that, uh, but the idea being still name the tune with as little information as possible. Uh, and then finally, there's a bonus round for whoever has won the whole shebang where they just basically name X amount of songs and Y amount of time. I think the uh, historical benchmark for that is seven within 60 seconds. Uh, but the idea is the band starts playing a song, you hit a buzzer and the band stops as does the timer and you either make a guess or you can pass. Uh, and if you pass and you get back around, then you can you, you have a second go at it. So a pass is not a permanent, you know, forfeiture. It's just saying we can come back later. Um, again, super hard, right? Like, I, I the people do very, very well at it. So a lot of it uh, has to be just our removal from the... It's not all show tunes strictly, but, like, it's definitely not pop music. And I don't mean pop in the strict genre sense. I mean pop in the, like, almost British sense of popular music, right? Rock, right. pop, right. the stuff that we hear on the radio, Top 40, that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. The majority of these shows are not focusing on that kind of music. It's the soundtrack to South Pacific, like Christian said, or, you know, <laughs> Bing Crosby and, uh, you know, like, well, it, like what almost felt like public domain music, but obviously isn't and was very expensive to use, which is why they couldn't rerun it. So I, I, I think, you know, in the 50s, that made a lot of sense because that was the popular music at those times, you know. But in the 70s, you, disco was huge, man. Why was right? there disco? And, and at that point, you've got, especially late 70s, you've got rock and roll. And yeah. I mean, you've got the history of rock and roll and you've now got like heavy rock coming into the scene with Zeppelin and who and stuff. And you uh, still got what's left 
left of like the surf of, from the sixties. You got the, the little bit of doo-wop left in there. Like yeah, that whole the British psychedelic pop. movement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Funk is coming in. I mean, right? There's so much to play with, but they're still keeping this like traditional. What I and again, I don't know that. I think we've I've mentioned this exact phrase and made this same joke. Light and lively is music is what I refer to it as. Sure. Um, but I think light and lively is a brand of yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> uh, but just that, you know, the uh, and there's a, there's a I, I don't know. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about here. Um, but that that's what these shows are really focusing on. And that's why. It A feels very difficult, but B feels very inaccessible to an audience today. Yeah, well, uh, and I guess let's let's talk more about it in the uh, history. But uh, what kind of music are they choosing nowadays, too? And and yes, because there is a version going on these days. Uh, like Christian said, it is not good, but uh, it is not good for an entirely different reason than the old ones are not good. So we'll talk more about this. And I do want to say, A, there's a lot of history here, and B, like. This show, I got a lot to say, and this show has made me think about things a lot more than most other shows we've done have. So nice. there's at least that. All right. Well, that's coming up next. Why don't you take us out, Mike? You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. Hello. Hello. I'm Nikki, a gaming noob. And I'm Eric, a lifelong gamer. And, and we are Press, Press Any Button. Button. Press Any Button is a video game podcast hosted by two married gamers for all experience levels. In each episode, we cover a different video game's past, present, and future while adding a fun twist. That's right. We present game challenges to each other. And if it's not accomplished, that person must show off their best rapping skills. So if you like the podcast you're listening to right now, be sure to find us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Segment number three, episode number 53. Is it 53 this week? It is 53. The day featured show this week is Name That Tune, and it is time for history. Michael, there's a lot of it, so I'm going to let you get to it. There is a lot of it. So like we talked about earlier with Christian, the origins lie in the radio show Stop the Music, which was created by Mark Goodson uh, and orchestra conductor Harry Statler, uh, as well as advertising executive Howard Connell. Uh, and on this one, like we said, it was relying on studio audience members uh random telephone calls identifying melodies played by an orchestra so it's the same idea uh but the contestants were chosen sort of at random um or at least semi-random uh and then statler the uh orchestra conductor says no you know what this will work better as a head-to-head competition changes the name to name that tune and it premieres on nbc originally on radio in 1952 and then transitions to television also nbc in 1953 uh this first version was hosted by red benson know nothing about him but i'm sure he's fantastic <laughs> uh, i love how you're so po- you're like you're just a positive guy you're like i'm 
I don't know anything about, but I'm sure he's fantastic. Well, I, you're just I so mean, positive. You know, I, I, if you're hosting a radio show in the 50s, I think you're great in my opinion. Okay. okay uh, we've talked about this a lot. I love I love old radio shows, uh, so all that kind of stuff is right up my alley. I didn't actually hear any of the radio versions of this. Um, I'm assuming it's very similar to the TV show. Sure. Uh, so 53, 54 uh, is the run that we basically get on television that starts the real version of it, uh, hosted by the dean of game show host bill cullen yes uh 1955 george dewitt takes over uh and he stays until 1959 when the show is canceled uh after getting swept up into the quiz show scandals i didn't see anything about this show necessarily being called out as a uh fake so i'd i'd it doesn't feel like it is, um, right. but it was just part like everything was canceled at that point. Right. You had, they had to just, you know, nuke it from orbit and start over. Uh, so this was indeed a um, uh, uh, caught in the crossfire. I guess you could say. Um, and it was gone for a while. I, I, you know, it had to have lived on in the idea of like a party game or parlor game after this. Um, just because the idea of it, at least in my again, in my family may be a little biased, but it feels very like ever present in pop culture. But we don't see it again until 1970, uh, and even this, uh, it's a, a localized version um, hosted by a guy named Richard Hayes. Uh, only played in a few markets. Uh, it wasn't like a big deal by any measure. It was almost like a bowling for dollars kind of deal, just like local versions right. of the show. That only right. ran for a year. Uh, but then in 74, that is when we see the version that would probably be best remembered today. Um, and really, I would say cemented the popularity of the show beyond just that you know initial 50s run um this version is hosted by tom kennedy um produced by ralph edwards and sandy frank productions which i wanted to stop on for just a second uh if you are like me uh and a huge mystery science theater fan the name sandy frank might be familiar with to you uh sandy frank was a american production company Uh, it's a person's name um but a production company as well and they were known for uh distributing films in america primarily and they would distribute a bunch of uh b movies from japan and china and other like um uh asian countries and giving them very very poor dub jobs and just you know pumping them out into america um so I, I just, as a, a Mystery Science Theater fan, it is great to see Sandy Frank somewhere other than a crappy movie that has been dubbed over and is being riffed on by uh, the Mystery Science Theater folks. But it does bring up one of my favorite show, uh, jokes in all of the show, which is, Sandy Frank, that's what happens when you drop your hot dog at the beach. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so like right, I said, this, here yep, we go. Yep, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, not thank me, but anyways, uh, this version pr- proved very popular, uh, and it actually led to a spinoff daily show hosted by Dennis James, again, someone I know nothing about, uh, and then a second daily version. In other words, there are three versions of this show running concurrently at the same time. Uh, Tom Kennedy uh, hosts that second daily version. All of this goes until 77 um and it just sort of ends it seems uh but then it returns as a syndicated uh i'm sorry returns yes as a syndicated version in 84 hosted by jim lang and once again produced by sandy frank 
Uh, at this time, they tack on $100,000 onto the title, so it is known as the $100,000 name that tune. Uh, not nearly as successful as the 70s version, uh, and it ends up ending in a year in 85. Uh, but what I did want to bring up about this one, which I thought, I mean, this blew my mind. In 1984, there is a coin-operated arcade game version of Name That Tune. No way. Yes, Really? And it's such a bad idea for so many reasons. So, first of all, the bad idea that ended up being why it actually failed was because it's 1984. What kind of sound technology are you getting in an arcade oh, game of six, 84? 8-bit? Uh, yeah, bit, right? Maybe? Like, maybe? At, at best. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it had to have just been impossible to guess the tunes unless it was, like, just, you know, green sleeves or something like that. Um, which I say green sleeves just because it's a... I don't. I couldn't name the green sleeves if it was playing. Anyways, um, <laughs> it was a weird choice. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but the I other green green sleeves isn't that what child is this? I don't know. I know it's a public domain mm-hmm. tune. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. That is absolutely. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah, there you go. Yep, there you go. Well done. Um, <laughs> you should be on the old version of name that tune. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what else you say, are making me so old. I love you. <laughs> uh, well, the other thing that struck me as a terrible idea about this arcade game was: Have you ever been in an arcade? It is yeah. so loud. Yeah, you can't hear anything. I remember one time trying to play uh, Guitar Hero in the arcade, and it, like it was ju- you. There's no way you couldn't even hear the music. Anyways, I just thought that was a very very strange choice. That being said, uh, I would love to play it now just to see how bad it is. Um, So that was what 84 was when that game came out. That version ends in 85. um, And uh, it it, just like after the first run, it just kind of stops. We have over the years a string of failed attempts at bringing it back, but it just never sticks. Uh, I'm just going to kind of shotgun through these because there's a bunch uh 1990 hosted by peter allen this one was a big time attempt and change of rules um it didn't get picked up but they did change the name to face the music and it became very popular in new zealand okay uh 2001 we have a version hosted by phil Gurin. uh 2006 we have a pilot hosted by donny osmond sad that didn't happen uh 2001 uh, oh, these are out of order. Sorry about that. 2001, VH1 did a Name That Video. Uh, it's the same concept, but with music videos. And it is okay. it is canon, I suppose, as you would could say, in the uh, lore of Name That Tune. Because in the credits, it is credited that Name That Tune is used with permission. Uh, cool. 2007, MTV buys the rights. And they were going to have a different version for each of MTV, VH1, and CMT, the country music channel. None of those ever happened. 2012, the rights go over to Fremantle Media, uh, and they say they're going to do a reboot, but then they never do. 2017, we see a pilot with Elizabeth Banks as the host. Still no go. Finally, 2020, Fox gets the rights, and they indeed, uh, as the saying goes, shit or get off the pot. Um, (laughs) And they finally... In this case, case, 
They shat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jane Krakowski is the host. I have no problem with her. She's fine. Uh, love um, her. American Idol, or sorry, uh, former American Idol judge Randy Jackson is the band leader. He is awkward AF. Uh, okay. It premieres on January 6th, 2021, um, and I suppose is still going to this day, but man, it is bad. Like, it just feels so awkward and it's not well presented and like i say randy is not i don't know he's fine as a musician don't get me wrong but as a person who interacts with contestants like maybe just let's keep him quiet <laughs> i i love uh drank jane krakowski and i don't, just don't think this is a good gig for her i i feel bad for her having to be on it uh because yeah. I, I, oh. I she's great I, I love her in 30 rock um and the movie go if anybody remembers her in that um, oh you know what i remember from the very first time i ever saw her i was in eighth grade she was on broadway in starlight express oh i thought you were gonna say uh wasn't she in uh, I think she's in Vacation, or maybe... Yep, she was yeah. in Vacation. Yeah, yeah, she played um, the cousin. Um, yeah, she's like one, one of the cousins. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Anyways, uh, yeah, she's great, uh, and it's a shame that she is in this. What I do like about it is that it is focusing on, again, the idea of popular music. It's all different genres, which is great, but it is, it's not the show tunes light and lively stuff big band right. that sort of thing it's real quote-unquote music which gah, if my grandparents heard me say that they'd slap me but you know what i'm saying um but yeah just the presentation of this version is it i mean it is bad and like, I'm sorry to anyone involved in that show, but I'm not changing my opinion to be Mr. Nice Guy on that one. It's not it's not good. Um, and of course, over the years, we've seen many, many, many different uh, international versions, including one from I Az Azerbaijan. Uh, Azer wow. Azerbaijan. I like saying wow. it. I said it in my head a million times. It's a lot harder to say out loud. Um, <laughs> and there is an Azerbaijani version of the show. Uh, okay. Yeah, but no, like if you, you go on the Wikipedia article, there's, I mean, every, basically every country you can think of has a version. Um, so it's, Which makes sense because it's yeah. accessible in that regard. Absolutely. You could do one in India and make it all Bollywood music and people would kill it, which, which is like it, it feels like I'm being – uh, stereotyping but it's very much true right like the localized version of this show that happened in the 70s felt like maybe a good way to internationalize it because that is very true especially if you're going with the sort of traditional show toony type stuff that that's going to be different in every country right um, right so uh you know it's very much a thing where the international versions can play very very well and very very easily in their own cultures right all right, well, so that's it on uh, history there, huh? Yeah, I mean, I kind of fired through a lot of that. Um, it It's just interesting how it's very hit or miss, right? Like the 50s and the 70s, those versions were both huge, so much so that the idea of, like, the, like, name that tune, the bidding round, it feels cemented into popular culture. Again, my family, this is a, a lifelong game for me. Um but then there's so many failed attempts as well. It just, it's it's strange how the fluctuation. Have you seen Beat Shazam? Yes. And so I think Beat Shazam is as close to what I would want to see um, 
as has been made so far. I still don't. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, and I, I, I assume they they just start playing music, and you just have to name the tune before. Yeah. Well, Shazam so, does. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's it's just it's again the same basic concept of name the song as fast as possible, which I also think is odd that. Fox has both of these shows. I don't know if it airs them at the same night or maybe it's part of a package or something. Because uh, I know that uh, the new name that tune premiered alongside Mass Singer or something like that. Okay. Um, or maybe it was maybe it was Beach Shazam that premiered along Mass Singer. I forget. But the idea of Mass Singer came along with this stuff on Fox as well. So maybe they're just doing like music shows and and sort of putting them all together, which sure. I guess is okay. Uh, but um the the core game of what I play feels more beat Shazammy than it does name that toonie. Even right. with the current version where they're doing pop music, it's naming just the song title. The artist still is not a relevant factor. Again, they will say it to clarify it. The the host will, Jane Krakowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. but it's not part of the gameplay. And as I recall, I only watched one episode of Beach Shazam, so it's, you know, foggy at best. It was a while ago. Um, but as I recall, it's, you know, either artist or title or maybe both for extra points. Or There's there's different ways that it was played. Um, and I'm not necessarily looking for the exact same game that my family played. What I want is either Beach Shazam or the current version of... Um, name that tune just not done so awkwardly and like with the new version of of the show it's your thing that you've mentioned before about it's been uh millionaire eyes right like it's all dark and dramatic and she takes time and waits for everybody to get all tensed up about the answer before revealing that is correct you know and it's just like come on we don't need to make every single game show like that it's really sad, you know. Um, <clears throat> speaking of um, you know news that we didn't hit, but me- Millionaire, um, I, did you see this week that uh, the guy who composed the original Millionaire theme passed away? Yes, and I'm meaning to keep an eye on this. I looked up the so the CD that is the soundtrack to Millionaire is mm-hmm. a very expensive collectible, um, and I've been meaning to keep an eye on it to see if it's like gone up. Uh, hang on, hmm. let me look this up real quick. Last I looked, there the. The C- the only CD that was available was over a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. Yeah. Wow. And it's ju- it's literally just the show. Um. But what is interesting is that it does contain a track that never actually made it to the show because it was for a situation that never arose. Apparently. Huh. Uh. Yeah. So currently, one hundred and one dollars is the one CD, and so that's that's still there. So. Um. Well, that's a real collector's item for you there, Michael. Yeah. I mean, I'm not paying a hundred dollars for a dang CD, but somebody ha- somebody's paid one hundred and eleven six seven. That's the yeah. highest it sold for back in October. I th- I think that there's other ways that this show could be reinterpreted that it might work. Like I you know I think for instance like one of the problems is is like you would never see me go on the show uh, because I don't keep up right now with today's day and age of songs and what's new and what's hip and and, and wonderful for sure. Um, but if you told me that because there's so much out there, if you said well, hey, we're gonna pull from the top 500 songs of all time that that may be a little bit easier because at least you know what the base of songs is going to be. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. 
Um, and I don't know. Maybe they do that right now. They may they may have in their own coffers say, "Hey, listen, we're only going to use the top five hundred most popular songs. Well, we're not going we're not going deep cut on something that nobody would ever know." No, but I, I think it's probably like the greatest hits of all time plus like current jams because like the one I saw, the, I I I could not watch beyond two songs. It was that bad. Uh, but the two that I saw was. Um, uh, it's called I Love It. You know that I don't care. I love yeah. it. I think it's by like Charlie XCX or Icona yeah, Pop. Some, it's Icona yeah, yeah. Pop is who it is. Um, okay. And then the second one was um, Brick House by the Commodores. So, you know, you're you're getting in that realm of like songs that quote unquote everybody knows. Um, sure. And so I the the to me, it's not. And specifically in this new one, it's not the content as much as it is the presentation. Like, they're just making it a terrible show. Um, and it's just so awkward to watch. The other way I think it would be amazing, and I think it could be a lot of fun, is if you wrote in and said, hey, I'm applying on the show, and here is my music taste. And you name the genres that you love. Like, for you, it would be Dungeons. I was going to say, let's get a Dungeon Synth episode of this. But, dude, <laughs> here's what would be great. What Now, you're not just a Dungeon Synth guy. There's other, there's other genres that you do enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And so they and could look at, like, your Spotify history or something and pull from there. What? They could, or so you. That's even better. That's like super micro tailored. But my would think. Let's say, let's say I list out. I like this, 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 and Dungeon Synth happens to be one of them. Or and and let's say eighties pop happens to be another one. And you also have eighties pop and Dungeon Synth. What could be great is, is you could bring these people on mm. and have them play a little bit of what the others are. So like. You would have some categories that the other guy wouldn't. The other guy would have some categories that you wouldn't. But then there would be these categories that you would both know intimately well gotcha. that would match up. That, so, yes, that would be really cool. Um, and then and then, then you're not only watching just to see you're, – you're, you're not watching just to see two people compete, but you're like, wow, I wonder what this guy's interest is. Yeah, you know what I'm that's saying? Very like, true. That's very true. I, mean, I, I do think that be... would be a lot of fun. Um, and I, you know, nowadays with the idea of Spotify or Bandcamp or you know, Apple Music, all these different systems, there's ways to get that information mm-hmm. pretty easily in an automated way. We took way. your top 100 played songs from Spotify, and we're placing them against the top 100 songs that your buddy had over here. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that. 50 of them cross over. Right. Yes. And that's the thing is you can find people that cross over half and half. Just, yeah. Again, through automated just comparison. Yeah. Computer can, be, yeah. can, can figure that all out for us. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Well, can. and it's funny because that's, I mean, not this, you know, advanced, but that's kind of the idea that MTV had when it bought the rights back in uh, 07 was that, you know, that, like I said, they were going to put it on MTV VH1 and CMT. There was going to be a different version for each one. MTV was going to be the rock version. And VH1 was going to be the like adult contemporary and CMT was going to be the country music version. And right. with that is because like the core idea of this show is eliminating an audience, right? Like no matter how you do it, you are eliminating an audience because even if you make it uh, broad, like, it is currently you are eliminating people like you who don't necessarily follow the who is and what is of all the songs right you know the songs but you don't know any information about them and so therefore you're not necessarily as interested in this show 
with that, it gives you uh, the, you know, sort of access that people like you would be like, oh, well, this is specifically music that I listen to. So for you, it would be like your, you know, uh, synthwave stuff and it, it would right. come up. But it, it would also come up with stuff that you don't know to give you that challenge and put you against someone else who, you know, now it's like a, it is that who can do it faster as opposed to just who knows it sort of thing. Um well, the yeah. other great thing is, is that if you, know, you there's a way to do it here, and I and I'm not, I mean, I'm a marketing guy, and I'd have to think on it, but this is just on the, off the top of my head. Uh, you could literally put out the playlists on Spotify or whatever Pandora or whatever of the upcoming contestants for the next week's episode mm. ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you listen to the playlist and you like it, like, oh, dude, I've got to listen this week. I love every song this guy's got on his playlist. So here's the thing, though. As much as this as fun as this is to talk about, uh, right. I have to imagine the reason why this hasn't happened is because the rights to do that would be <laughs> astronomical. Well, if let me put it this way: you could do it with Spotify, but Spotify would have to be the sponsor. They'd have to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right. They, they would just have. Well, to but get you'd have the, to get all the the record labels on board as well, and like, well, no, you just pay you pay rights for it like you would anything else. Yeah, it's yeah. An well, that's cap BMI thing. That's all it is. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's true. But like, like the idea is that you know, with name that tune, I I believe the idea is that you know, since it's a band playing a version of the song. It's significantly cheaper to to license. Am I not correct no. in that? I I mean, it could be. I I don't know. To be honest, I'm not even going to wager because music rights have changed so much in the digital age that I don't know what that I, entails. I would have to imagine. I mean, it's just it's it to me it was like a, it just makes sense kind of thing. But the other piece of evidence that I have for that is I don't know if you're familiar with the show Superstore. It's a uh, yeah the the Walmart ripoff yeah uh, yeah, yeah, thing, yeah yeah uh, great show by the way I absolutely love it but they have these little like sort of interstitial clips between scenes as sort of like scene transitions of just like happenings in the store you know it's like a kid picks his nose and then wipes it on a grape and walks off or something like that <laughs> um, and in all these these interstitials they'll have the music of the you know Walmart playing over and it's always some pop song and in cases of like lesser known songs it's typically the real version but I've noticed that occasionally I would say actually fairly often it's a fake cover version of the song and I wonder if it's like you know for those songs it's just cheaper to have someone record a quick five second clip of it than it is to pay for the real well, five-second clip. There could also be some sort of Muzak kind of uh, like tribute that they're paying there. True. Yeah, like subscribing to like literally the Muzak service. Yeah if, yeah, if people don't know what Muzak is, but back in the day it was like it's like the elevator version of like all the popular songs. Yeah. And you would pay and literally they would send you tapes to your retail store and you would put them in the back and play them. Yeah, and there, so the... Um, there's another one that's it's basically the same thing, but it's like real music and not Muzak music right. um, that we used to do at, uh, when I, I used to work at a bunch of different clothing stores uh, at the mall in my more formative years. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, we always had the I can't remember what it was, but every single store I worked at had the exact same thing. And they would oh, send God. these. It, it was they were CDs, basically, but they weren't like right. audio CDs. It was like, uh, yeah, it had a ton of music like a, on it. And, yeah, it just oh, shuffled boy. through it. All right, any other thoughts you've got before we uh, call it a week here, Mike? No, I think that's about it. We've talked about everything. We talked about Sandy Frank, and that's the important part.
And yeah, and you sung Econopop. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this was a good week for the show. Hey, you know what? I said I wasn't going to sing again. Now, this is two episodes in a row that I sang. Two in a row. This could be a common thing. Next, we'll be taking requests for Mike Jacobs to sing. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) All right, Mike, that's all the time we've got for today. Uh, Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, listeners. Uh, thank you, Randy Jackson, for helping to make the new version <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I don't know if we want to thank him for that or not, but okay. Well, we uh, just shout out. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a, a small shout out to the man who made it terrible. Hey, not the only, not the only one, mind you. Just a, <laughs> but, right, but, but a big part. Got it, got it. Tune in again next time. We're going to bring you the latest and greatest in the world of game shows, as well as a brand new featured show, too. Uh, yes, make sure you check us out on a f- social. I was going to say Facebook, but all social. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of them. We're there. So, uh, sna- Snapchat, yeah, uh, Snapchat, TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Yeah. That's not for me. Uh, but <laughs> most importantly, tell them what they've won.com. Absolutely. Please subscribe, share, like, drop a review if you like what you heard. It only if you like it. Yeah, if you didn't like it, uh, I'm tired of coming up with these. So if you didn't like it, just don't say anything. If, wow. you don't, if you don't like it, I hope you have to watch a Sandy Frank movie without the Mystery Science Theater commentary. There it is. I love it. See you next week, Mike. Bye, Tom. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. A JTEC audio production. Copyright 2021. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. All right, Mike, what did you learn this week? Uh, I learned that commercials in the 70s sucked. What? Yeah, it's this like weird transitional period where it's like after the idea of like like the early commercials were like straight up just like this is a good drink go buy it because it's delicious or like this okay. is a vitamin that's good for you you should take it because it's good for you just say what the product is right, right but it's right. before this like modern trend of they're selling a lifestyle instead of a product so it's this like weird half ground where they're like setting up these very fake scenarios for like very fake friends recommending, oh, well, have you tried Doan's backache yeah, pills? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, they're, just, I mean, ev- to a commercial, every single one of them was awful. There wasn't a single one that made me want to try the product. Well, you know, and it's so funny because my big gripe right now is all these commercials. I, I don't like the commercials that are out there for all of the new medications because they go through all the – they have to, by law, go through all the side effects and everything. Mm. And I don't need to hear about your bowels, like, falling out if you take this pill. Uh, I turn them off. A lot of them make me queasy. Yeah, I actually mute them. We mute them a lot. But what I don't like is they show all these people. They're like, hey, now that I'm taking this pill, I can jump out of a hot air balloon. I'm like, what? what has happened? Like, I, I don't – I don't understand. And then some of them, there was symbolism, so I got it. Like, there was a bunch of symbolism for, like, the sexual performance drugs. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understood that. But nowadays, it's not like that. It's like some woman is a referee at a baseball game, and it, she can do that because of the drug she's taking. No, well, look, and I'll tell you this. Uh, this is a conversation we have at our house often. It does not get any worse than uh, perfume and cologne commercials. Oh so my God. I will <laughs> say, as bad as the commercials were in the 70s, I will take them over any sort of Calvin Klein, ooh, did 
butt sniffer or whatever crap <laughs> it is they're shoveling these days. Like their commercials are so awful. It does, like it's just it's just garbage. Anyways, yeah, I'm I'm getting upset here. So what'd you learn this week? <laughs> <laughs> I learned that I really love when you sing during our episodes. <laughs> I'm not a singer at all. It took me so long to do karaoke at the theater. Um, so, yeah, I don't expect it often, but apparently at least twice. Well, I'm, I, lo- I love when it happens. It's great. <laughs> Copyright 2021, a JTEC audio production. <laughs>